Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are six weeks away from the NFL draft and continuing our position by position breakdowns. Today, looking at the tight end spot, not a big position of need for the Dolphins. And Paul, also the Dolphins spent second and fourth round picks in 2018 on Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe. That's really started to pay off. Uh, at this point. But I've got to say, I'm not as blown away by anybody in this tight end class in the 2020 draft. And with Gesicki and Durham Smythe on the roster, I might have a hard time with the Dolphins drafting a tight end anywhere before day three. I'm partly with you on that. I mean, I've got a couple of guys that I'd be willing to grab if Miami were to accumulate a second, third round pick, because I think that'd be a sweet spot for a couple of them that we'll talk about. For me, if I'm the Dolphins and I've got five picks between rounds one and two, if Miami's already knocked the left tackle position off the board, which all of our listeners know how I feel about that. If Miami's made a decision quarterback-wise, whether it's a quarterback in the draft, whether it's they're sticking with Rosen or you name it, if it is a quarterback in the draft, they've gone ahead and gotten him off the board, they've gotten a left tackle off the board, and possibly a pass rusher or something else in the first round. If they were to view Cole Komet as the next Rob Gronkowski, I would be absolutely fine with them using either of the second-round picks I'd learn to live with it as far as pick 26 if they've already knocked those other two check marks off the board. Colcomet has the potential to be a special talent, and if they grade him out of the park and they want to go with him to pair with Gesicki, I'd find a way to be okay with that just because, you know, if you get the next Gronk, I can stomach that, that two tight end set with, with him and, and Gesicki being just an absolute mismatch and monsters for opposing defenses. I could see that as possibility if O'Shea were still here, because O'Shea really emphasized the the two and three tight end sets. You know, we we saw how much we saw Cl- Clive Wolford on on the roster last year and on the field more more than we would have liked. Um, but yeah, it's it, see Cole Komet is somebody actually he's he's the nephew of former Dolphin Jeff Zganina, uh, if if your people remember him from back in the day. He is the best all-around tight end in this class. 6'6", 262, ran a 4740. His vertical was 37 inches. Put up, you know, almost wide receiver type numbers uh, at, at the scouting combine. And I think he surprised a lot of people by coming out early. I could see Gasicki and, and Komet in two tight end sets if Chan Gailey were willing to use them more often. And if you take a look at him historically – He's not somebody who emphasizes the tight end spot a lot. 
He's not, but he has in the past. I mean, one of the things I really like about Gailey's offenses through the years, and, and CK had a great thread on this, but Gailey has adapted that spread offense to utilize the personnel that he has. Um, and, and given that fact, you give him some mismatch pieces. I think Gailey's going to find a way to work the two of them in. I think he's going to try to get his best 11 on the field with that spread offense and adapt it to, to the personnel. So if, if they were to take Komet, believe he's the next Gronkowski, we saw the emergence of Gasicki last year. I think Chan Gailey's going to have a little bit of fun, even if he spends a little bit later nights developing what he wants to do offensively with, with those guys on the roster. I wouldn't be shocked, uh, and I wouldn't hate it, but if they were to grab any other tight end before round three with an extra pick, I, I, I'd be pretty upset because looking at this class, there's a lot of high upside players with some development needed. There, there's question marks at, at for each of the, the tight ends after Komet in the draft. So, yeah. Could be intriguing. I mean, it, there's a, a high ceiling for a few of them, but could be intriguing. There are a few of them. And with Cole Komet, you had him mocked in uh, the first round. You've always liked this guy. And so you view him as a legitimate first round talent. So I can, from where you're sitting, I, I can certainly see that. And yeah, 6'6, 262, um, has the bloodlines. Uh, his father also was a. Uh, fourth round pick of the bills back in the nineties. So he's got the bloodlines to go along with it too. Um, I see him as somebody also who needs to add on a little bit of weight, but that's something that you could possibly do when you get in the NFL. And now maybe he gets up to the six, six, two seventy, two seventy five range. He's somebody I would still have a hard time taking uh, in day one or day two, but very simply because of the, to me, the lack of need at tight end. Um, my top guy is either Komet or, uh, a Dayton tight end, Adam Groutman. And he's somebody that went down to senior bowl week and really shot up the draft boards. Uh, kind of played with a chip on his shoulder. And he also has the ability to block in line too. He, and he, when he went to the combine too, and the one drill that I pay a lot of attention to is a three cone drill because it, it me- measures a, the agility of a tight end a little bit more. And he ran a six, seven, eight, N- no tight end had even better than than a 7.0. So showed some of that agility, but it didn't quite have the rest of those numbers. But if you're getting down to pick 130 in the fourth round and Adam Troutman falls because of the level of competition, he's somebody I, I, I might consider as a best player available. Um, also from the University of Missouri, a, a team that uh, I'm a big fan of and, and my whole family really is, Albert, we just call him Albert O, but Albert Ukuwebanam from from Missouri, 6'6", 258, ran a 449. And when you look at him out there on the field, not a very physical player, uh, but I, I see the comparisons with him and Jimmy Graham just from a traits perspective, because he lines up at we he basically lined up at wide receiver for Zoo and sometimes I think people may be overthinking this guy a little bit because of the physical traits that he brings to the spot. So that's somebody in the fourth round. If he falls to that spot because of the lack of production here uh, over the last two years and the injuries with him, somebody I might consider late in the fourth round. So Paul, who else jumps out uh, for you on your radar? 
Yeah, it's, I'm glad you mentioned Troutman. It's this is going to be one of those weird positions. I, I have a round three and a half. Uh, basically, I don't want to use that first pick in the third because of the need aspect that you mentioned. I've got Adam Troutman there as as if Miami were to accumulate a second pick in the third round, I'd be willing to use that. If not, I'd be okay with it in the fourth. Another one I'd be okay with 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 a with an extra third round pick would be Thaddeus Moss out of LSU. He has that special extra something that we we see occasionally with a player. He's mocked all over boards. He's definitely got the bloodlines with Randy as his dad. But you watch some of the tiptoe catches that he made along the sidelines for LSU this year and, and some of just the special plays he made despite the fact that he had an elite quarterback. He made some special plays himself that – were truly impressive for me and and we don't know where his ceiling is because let's face it you look at LSU this year they've got so much NFL caliber talent that it does mask some of the ability because there just aren't enough balls to go around at times this is a team that took their foot off the gas in the second half of almost every game this year and, and Thaddeus Moss was a huge reason why so if he were there and Miami accumulated a second third round pick I'd be totally okay with that I do have Albert O in the in the fourth as well as Colby Parkinson who some of our listeners will remember I drafted doing a mock draft this is a guy I really like and if they hadn't had injury issues and personnel issues and quarterback disappearing at Stanford Colby Parkinson really would have skyrocketed this year and despite all that you know, he put up some some crazy numbers. He's got a huge, huge frame at six seven two fifty two. He ran a little bit slow at the combine, but I'm okay with that because he doesn't need to get that separation. Not only because of his height, but if you watch his tape, he uses his entire body to box out defenders without causing pass interference from himself, and, and really put it himself in position with his huge frame to pull that ball in and, and, and make some special plays. So he's another one I'd take in the fourth. Uh, you could look at a guy like Pinckney out of Vanderbilt, another one that ran a very slow 40. But when he's given the opportunity, he's done well. He didn't put up the best stats. Vanderbilt didn't have a good passing attack this year. He, he did have a huge junior year before that, though. So a few guys that you mentioned there are, are ones that – it, when you start getting into the fifth and sixth round, I'm I'm certainly intrigued by because Thaddeus Moss is one of them. The son of Randy Moss uh, does not have the same characteristics. Um, he did show that he kind of has that it factor you were talking about. You know, ha- has that ability to to get open. And the bigger the game, the better he played. And what I also like too is he can block in line. And I think if the Dolph for what the Dolphins are looking for. With with a, in an offense that is not expected to use a lot of tight, multiple tight end sets, then I, I think you're going to have to have somebody like Thaddeus Moss who's going to be able to line up as that sixth offensive lineman and, and surprise you in the passing game. So he's somebody that that's of interest. Stephen Sullivan is somebody that also played at LSU that we've talked about quite a bit. Six five two sixty had an eighty five inch wingspan, so he certainly has the measurables. The big question is. How does he let Thaddeus Moss beat him out? And why did he never kind of take his game to that next level at LSU? Jared Pinckney is an interesting one because he too can be an inline blocking tight end. 
Um, so when they, in the rare cases, they go in these two tight end sets, Pinckney could possibly get on the field. This is somebody who has a projected first or second round pick at the beginning of the college football season year. His catches went from 50 down to 20 in that terrible Vanderbilt offense that you were talking about, Paul. And then he, he's just gotten worse and worse. He had a, a nightmare of a workout at the combine where he barely cracked, uh, cracked the fours. So somebody that's, uh, <laughs> that's also very interesting. And, and uh, you know, another player we've talked about too is CJ O'Grady from Arkansas. And this is somebody that was actually uh, dismissed from Arkansas. Well, actually he said, it was said that he mutually left the team, but that didn't seem to be the case. Uh, he actually said at the combine that no, he basically screwed up and, and, and was asked to leave the team. But if you're talking in the sixth or seventh round, this is a big, thick built Arkansas tight end. And if he gets his head on straight, could be one of the steals in this draft. Yeah, and there's a whole grouping as well. And, and, only one of whom I would consider in the fourth before we start moving to the fifth and sixth round of Charles Clay types, the guys that aren't really big enough to be a tight end. You know, they're in that six, two, six, three range, but they could play a little bit of that H back movable chess piece role. Guys like Hunter Bryan out of Washington. I'm not a huge fan of his physical makeup unless you use him like Charles Clay. Uh, You've got guys like Bryson Hopkins. You've got, Um, Josiah DeGuara, who's undersized for the tight end position again. Devin Asiasi, who I'd consider in the fifth round. Uh, Charlie Tumapoyoua out of Portland State. Yeah, that's correct. You you basically say Tua and then act like you got a mouthful of M&M and (laughs) and you got it. Um, All of these guys are, are intriguing ones that, depending on what Gailey wants to do with the offense, I could see the potential for Miami to look look at as far as a movable piece that you can place just about anywhere. He's not going to excel at any position. But again, it, it's they're the guys that can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and with the right coaching, could really be an effective role player uh, in, the, in the later rounds. Yeah, and tight end gets interesting on day three because the Dolphins are expected to have somewhere between seven and nine picks in the fourth through seventh rounds. And that's why that's where these players start to get interesting. You know, we each had a tight end uh, in our seven round Dolphins mock draft. I'm sure we will again when we do the next one. Um, yeah. Bryson Hopkins and Hunter Bryan are, 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 are two interesting players because you're right. They do kind of fit that Charles Clay type of mold where they've got r- really good hands and, and natural receiving instincts, but not the best size. They can't block worth a lick. So they're going to have to make all their money there in the receiving game. And then that starts to really overlap um, with, with Mike Kosicki. Yeah. And after you get past that H back grouping, there's another grouping here that has all the tools, but needs a little bit of development, whether it's blocking like Harrison Bryant out of Florida, Atlanta, he can be six four two forty two, just big enough. He had 1,000 receiving yards in 2019, but his blocking is just non-existent, though he has a size that gets with the right coaching staff, gets his strength up a little bit. It's possible. Sean McKeon out of Michigan, a guy that really didn't get utilized a lot, but at 6'5", 238, has that wingspan and build to really be able to 
to be a threat at the next level if he gets the coaching staff that can pull it out of him. Steven Sullivan, who you mentioned I'd consider in the sixth, I'm intrigued by just because, again, a team that took had to take their foot off the gas at halftime and had more weapons than they knew what to do with for LSU this year is really a team that might have some of those unearthed stones that you can get later in the draft. I'd be willing to take a look at Sullivan. And another one there would be Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. 6'5", 253. His speed is average, but he's got the tools, even though he didn't have the best coaching staff at Virginia Tech. So he could be a guy that you might draft this year, throw on your practice squad, knowing that you think he could turn into somebody special later on. Yeah, we've covered a lot of players. And somebody else to keep keep your eye on is Jawan Johnson from Oregon. Uh, he went to the combine really as largely an unknown, but at wide receiver tests out at, at 6'4", 230 pounds, runs a 4'5", 8", and has that three cone that's under seven. So somebody that should be able to, as a receiver, has a chance to be able to separate at the next level as that de- developmental later type of tight end. And, you know, if, if you've got a tight end slash wide receiver and you can play some special teams, you might not only be able to make it to the 53 man roster, but also be on that active 43 man or excuse me, active 45 man game day roster too. So yeah, a lot of different possibilities here and we're certainly going to continue to go through the position by position as we go along. Yeah, and Kat, before before we wrap up here, I do have two more developmental projects I just want to talk about. One of which I, I'm I'm completely intrigued by, and it feels like you know I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Blue Chips, but Nick Nolte hears about this guy out in the middle of nowhere that no one really knows about, and you can't find footage of him. You almost have to go take a secret tunnel and watch him play. Matthew Wilkerson, he plays for Edward Waters College. He's 6'6", 270, completely raw in any bit of footage that you can find. But he's a monster out there. He's a two-way tight end, defensive end, playing Ironman football for Edwards Waters. And in the limited footage you look at, he looks like he has all of the tools. If he gets a coaching staff that can bring him along, he can probably play, play some special teams considering the fact that the guy played D-end. So I'm pretty sure you don't want that 6'6", 270 tight end running down the field after you to, to make a tackle. But in reality, he, he's one of those intriguing prospects that if you get him with that right coaching staff, it has everything you want from, from a physical standpoint. So very, very interested to see if he ends up drafted, undrafted, where he ends up. And another one that I was looking at as well, this guy's listed as a wide receiver. He was at the combine. He ran a four four eight, but he's one of those guys that a lot of folks are saying, "Eh, you know what? He's just not going to be anything special at the wide receiver position." But if you watch him, he's a very physical receiver. He's he had fifty eight receptions for seven hundred and sixty two yards, eight touchdowns. Over the last two years, he's averaged over thirteen yards per catch, and, and he's got the size that if he can put a little bit of muscle on his frame, he's not going to lose a ton of speed. That's Desmond Patman out of Washington State. Played with Gardner Minshew two years ago. Uh, didn't play with the greatest quarterback play this year, but still managed to get by. And if if some team's able to convert him into a wide receiver, 
or, or convert him from wide receiver to tight end, I think that might be his bread and butter at the next level. Uh, definitely needs to get a little bit bigger. He's too small at 225 for the role, unless you're going to you know, have him substitute for Kasich until he does get bigger. But could be a prospect that may not see the field a lot as a wide receiver, but could turn into something special at, at the tight end spot. There's a big gap at that third tight end role right now because Clive Wolford is not expected back. We don't want him back either. Um, it, no. Yeah, I mean, it's – but the Dolphins are likely going to have a third tight end on their roster, and, and that's where these come into play. Somebody who can make the team as the third guy and push Durham Smythe pretty quickly for that second spot. And, you know, Car- Colby Parkinson is an interesting one because, you know, I although I don't see he and Gesicki getting on the same field together, I, I think you've got quality depth behind Gesicki in the event that happens if Gesicki goes down – now you get you have somebody with similar traits, so you don't you may not lose a whole lot as far as the game plan is concerned. So, uh, but uh, you know I'm th- <laughs> just laughing at your at your other guy here because I'm just where Matthew Wilkinson from would you say Edward Waters? Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it, Iron I'm Man just, Wilkerson, tight end DE. I'm just picturing you, uh, you know, looking around the room, saying, "Oh God." Uh, Edward, like you see Edward Norton on the TV, and then you have a glass of water <laughs> next to you. Edward, I didn't uh, so wa- say you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have heard that name in passing. Uh, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I, I'd, I'd watched him play so far. So I'm gonna have to defer oh. judgment to you on that. So, but a lot of developmental it, it, tight ends it, here. So, Kat, I gotta tell you, like you gotta watch the footage because it's just it's grainy. Um, a lot of times there's like a rundown house in the background. Like it's, it's, I had to, you know, verify with my, 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 with my sources we'll go with that, that this was actually a real college and a real player, not just some dude hoaxing the internet. It, it's, it's that much of a corner case player from the middle of nowhere. But again, stranger things have happened. I mean, you don't want him to be the guy that goes out to the XFL and looks way better than anything on an NFL roster in a couple of years. Yeah, it's quite possible. I remember, you know, a, a while ago, the Bills drafted a tight end named Bobby Collins back in the fourth round. I think he went to South Alabama State or something like that. And watching the film, yeah, it looked like uh, it, it. It looked like you're recording one of your, you know, one of your kids' football games, and 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 you see a freak out there. Uh, so. <laughs> But a lot of developmental tight ends here as we approach the 2020 NFL draft. We've run through quite a bit of them. We'll, we'll deep it. I'm sure at some point before the draft, we'll dig into even more detail on these types of players here as well. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Um, and we're running through the tight end spot. And we're going to run through a lot of other spots here as the draft approaches. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.